prepare to launch. Second stage tanks now pressurized. T-minus now, lift off. Welcome back to... Oh. Oh, what is this show we have here? It's a new intro. Friday is upon us. You know, last year we did a show called The Twos Cruise, conveniently on a Tuesday. Today, though, Dan, as we've been teasing all throughout the long, cold, dark off-season that was amid the coronavirus and this pandemic and uncertainty, we always had this in the back of our minds, Dan. Yeah, it's true. What about a space-themed college football show each and every week? How does that work for you? Oh, well, I mean, it's been working for me since we discussed it in probably January. We've been plotting this out for a while. I actually remember pitching you on a transition from Two's Cruise to whatever. I mean, we're calling it UFO, but I think what we're going to do is change what the U stands for because we didn't come up with anything that we really loved. What does the F stand for? Is it Friday or football? Friday. Friday. I think Friday. Yeah, because we have the twos. So let's also go with the Friday. Yeah. So Friday Orbit yeah. is where we're going with the F and the O. It is, of course, week two, but week one, really, for the Power Five teams that are going to be playing this weekend. Yes. So what is the U going to stand for this week? I'm going to say underway. I'm going to say underway okay. because it's the only real chance. Well, I guess we'd be, maybe before the SEC and Big 12 teams play conference games. But I'm going to say right now because the season is underway and is continuing to get underway. It feels like the right move to say it's the underway Friday orbit because it's also the start of the UFO, right? I think that's good. I don't know if okay. there's a better space or cosmic themed word starting with a U. That it doesn't could, need to be that we could right it doesn't matter because it's our show we can right. do whatever we want we're excited to have our verballers here as we get ready for this new season and again whatever format it takes on i am ty that guy over there in beautiful chicagoland is the one and only dan rubenstein don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you get a podcast you can find our fine show called the solid verbal we will be broadcasting three count them three days per week now that the season is finally here. You can go on out, as always, to solidverbal.com and find all of our old stuff. If you want to know more about what we do, who's Dan, who's Ty, what are they all about, you can go on out to the website. While you're out there, you can sign up for the newsletter. We got a lot of fun stuff that we're readying uh, an announcement for. You're going to want to make sure that you sign up and be among the first to receive that announcement. Also, follow along on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We've got a subreddit. A lot of fun stuff going down right now as we build into this brand new season, Daniel. Yeah, and as you are listening to this now, this UFO show, the newsletter of intent is in the mailboxes of people who have already subscribed, and it's a pretty fun one, I think. Right? It's I, you've got some updates from our end, some listen, recipes, I know a guy. some podcasts. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah, I got a sneak Ooh. peek, and Ooh. yeah, it's good. It's not bad. It's good. I like to hear that. Um, also, I'm very excited to use the word unctuous as a U word ahead of Friday Orbit at some point this year. I don't know when it's going to be, but that's in the quiver, Ty. Unkempt. That's a vocabulary. Unkempt is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so we've got a lot planned here. What we're doing today, though, so the UFO show each week is going to be a very specific. And I know we did 
uh, three different segments on the Twos Cruise last year. We're going to be a little bit more specific and do one big segment and then add on a weekly Q&A to the UFO Perhaps sipping some libations, Ty. My working okay. title for that is the Bruin A, the but Bruin I, it's A. not finalized. Right. It's not finalized. Um, so I, I really wanted to focus and drill down today, like the movie Armageddon drilling on a, a celestial body, right? You know they can't asteroid. do that. You know that. You know is that, that true? Asteroids have no gravity. <sighs> why did Why did J.J. Abrams lie to us? I, um, <laughs> it's an operative question. Yeah, by the yeah. way. The reason for the space theme, we should point out for those who don't yeah. know, is I've got something of a fascination with the cosmos. Yeah. And I think that's what launched this whole thing. Two's Cruise just rhymed. This is more of a pet project for me. So <laughs> to the extent that I can be, I'm very excited to yeah. impart some just weird space themed things on you. There will be a quiz at the end of this show. I don't know if Great. you're prepared for that, but I've prepared five questions. That we're going to ask you just to, we, we hope to educate not only you, but all the verballers out there on outer space as we're going on this, on this voyage. Yeah, I was going to say good transition time because it's time to talk college football. And I wanted to drill down on what we usually call group of five teams, but because of the cancellation of the Mountain West and the MAC, it's more of a group of three this season with the Sun Belt Conference USA and Por Supuesto the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. So I want to drill down on things like matchups, teams, games, mobility upwards or downwards, and just where your mind is as it relates to group of three as an idea, the group of three as an idea with now a group of three power three teams <laughs> existing it's conferences weird. as it well. Yeah, It doesn't roll off the tongue the way it used to. No. No, it does not. So you, you have a name for this segment, right? This is the group of three Voyager, Dan. This okay. is in honor of the famed NASA Voyager 1 and 2 missions that are currently still in operation to some extent, exploring interstellar space. So they have left the solar system. Right. They have clearly ascended to bigger and better things. They're out there farther than any other man-made object, exploring the great unknown of the cosmos and it's quite thematic now as we talk about teams in the group of three what yeah. we are essentially looking for is teams that we think are going to separate themselves whether in terms of intrigue or ceiling from what we perceive the class of the group of three to be so essentially yeah. which of those teams is going to rise above and really make a name for themselves in this weird season I'm very happy that you did not make a, I don't know, Gasparilla Bowl or Boca Raton Bowl or Motor City Bowl reference to interstellar space being quite far away, perhaps from the top of college football tie. That's where my mind right. went, and you are better than I. So here we are. Here we are. So when we look around the group of three, Daniel, are there any teams that that jump out at you? Um, you know, I'll throw a few out there that I think are uh, in the conversation to be that cream of the group of three crop. Yeah. Cincinnati, we know about their defense. UCF, we know about their national championship. Of course. Uh, Houston has been there, wasn't last year, and Derek King won't be there this year either. Mm -mm. Uh, but SMU had a pretty good campaign under Sonny Dykes. Memphis now moving on with a new coach after Mike Norvell 
went south to Tallahassee. There's FAU in the post-Lane Kiffin era. There's App State in the post-Eli Drinkwitz era. We've got the Louisiana team that we talked a little bit about on our preview uh, a few nights ago. Uh, Anybody else maybe that I'm missing, but those are just a few of the teams that I think bubble up when we start thinking about, all right, who's really going to rise above? Yeah, I mean, we've seen it from Navy, you know, a recent group of five, five, three, whatever team, but we didn't see it against BYU. Not not against BYU. Important factoid, not against BYU. Not against BYU, but we saw it out of Navy as recently as last year, Malcolm Perry. We've seen it from teams, and I don't know how we want to, you know, Army was there, not a group of three specific team because they're an an FBS independent team. Uh, Tulane has had some moments. I... I'm interested to see from this group because really we're talking about the American, the top of the American or the top or the middle top, middle upper class, whatever. And a couple of teams from Conference USA and the Sun Belt, where there seems to be, at least from the American, a bit of a talent or at least depth drop off. Um, I think we, we start at that top, though. We start at the top of the American in terms of intrigue because it is, it's Cincinnati's defense. It's how balanced UCF has been, and we saw UCF really prove that last year, even though Stanford wasn't that good, how Dylan Gabriel absolutely shellacked, almost one-man banded. I mean, the, it was a balanced offensive attack, but how good Dylan Gabriel was as a freshman against a team like Stanford, and it didn't perform against Pitt, obviously, but we we see the potential of a team like UCF for SMU, Cincinnati. I mean, it was also sort of highlighted with that SMU Memphis game, which I think was a 54-48 primetime Saturday night game last year. So just all sorts of offensive fireworks. So what the American has to me, especially at the top, is it's sort of the archetypes of an entertaining, interesting power conference in that you have defensive powerhouses and interesting quarterbacks, not even necessarily at the top, but just in the conference in general. You know, I have a crush on Holton Aylers at East Carolina. (laughs) So it's really interesting in the depth of fascination to me, the American. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. When you look at a team like Cincinnati, I think they're my answer here, by the way. If you do have an answer and you just want to throw it out there, we're going to play the sound. Oh, I like that. Okay. That's I'm going to go with Memphis, but okay. That's communicating with the Voyager satellite. Yeah. Not a oh, lot of like people that. know that. I'm just nice. making this up. I don't know. No, no, no. That's good. Ty, let's, let's sell it. Sell that's it. it. That's the signal. Mm-hmm. We can hear it. But Cincinnati to me is very intriguing because they bring back 10 starters from a defense that was already very, very good. And I remember previewing some Cincinnati games last year, even in the run-up to the 2019 season, we looked at this team and it was like, hmm. Luke Fickle's building something there. It might not be the most exciting, but we know the defense is going to be rock solid. We know he's a defensive-minded coach, and we know he's got some other guys that he is trying to build around to take that offense to another level as well. Well, the defense is back now. Ten starters are back. And so that in and of itself is, is very exciting. But I've had a thing for Desmond Ritter ever since he took over that quarterback position and was a little banged up down the stretch. A little banged up down the stretch last year, but it's just, he's always had the feel to me like they have not fully tapped his potential. And when they can, when they can crack that code, he does bring a dimension to the offense that would make them more dangerous. Unfortunately, maybe I'm wrong about that. Is not completing passes downfield. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Right. Okay. But I've always had this thing for Desmond Ritter. And if if Cincinnati can bolt on 
a better offense than they've had. That makes him a very dangerous opponent. Um, you know, take this year out of it and who knows who's playing whom on which weeks given circumstances surrounding the coronavirus. But um, Cincinnati is absolutely positively one of those teams in normal circumstances where they're playing a power five school. That's uh, that's a score I'm watching for on the extra size, super size bottom line on ESPN. <laughs> They were supposed to play Nebraska this season, and you exactly. had, you penciled in a Nebraska win. So I don't know how much faith you actually have in Cincinnati. That's right, Ty. I'm calling you out as a group of three fraud. Uh, no, you fair. penciled in a Nebraska win, and you, I guess, like Nebraska to improve this season. But yeah, I, I my pick is Memphis just because the addition of Mike McIntyre on that defense mm. is interesting to me because if there was that weak link last year, it was, and they had to win some shootouts. They had to win some shootouts to get by. Ultimately, you know, Penn State takes them down in the bowl game, and they gave up a lot on offense um, <laughs> to Penn State. So I, I'm interested to see what Ryan Silverfield and taking over for Mike Norvell, but retaining Brady White under center and that offense should, even without Kenny Gainwell, who they lost to opting out of the season for public health concerns. I'm interested to see what kind of momentum they can keep in 2020 with the schedule that they have. And if they're able to, in the way that Mike McIntyre improved Ole Miss's dreadful defense if he can work similar not miracles but similar improvements into the tiger defense that suddenly becomes a more interesting complete team on the level of you know what ucf ceiling has been these past few years so i'm looking at our friend bill Connolly's sp plus rankings and again this is not coronavirus adjusted he's got in there Memphis at number 25. Okay. Number 25 with a projected win total of 7.4 games. They play 10. Right. As a lot of schools will be. As I look through this schedule, I, I honestly don't know, you know, who outside Cincinnati I feel good about beating Memphis. I think Memphis is going to be very good for many of the reasons In you, Cincinnati, you outlined yeah. there. Uh, yeah, at Cincinnati. Nippert Stadium, the Nippert Stadium. But mm-hmm. I feel pretty good about that over if you were to set it at seven and a half. I don't know what Vegas has it at currently, but the only two on here that really jump out at me as being perhaps surefire losses, if you want to go that far, would be Cincinnati and UCF. And even that might be a stretch to say surefire. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a stretch to say surefire, but the thing that I'm concerned about with Memphis actually is the schedule just because of how loaded up on the back end it is. As I read here, it I have at SMU, UCF, Temple, which Temple loses a bunch, especially on defense, but a rod carry defense should still be pretty formidable uh, at Cincinnati. Uh, then it's USF, which it's year one of Jeff Scott, Navy on the road, and Tulane on the road. This is a quality, quality stretch to finish out a good chunk of the season. That's rough, Ty. That's rough week after week after week. They have a bye between Navy and Tulane, but still, I man, that's a bit of a murderer's row. It is for sure. One team that we have not thrown out, by the way, for anyone wondering, Cincinnati is 34th on Bill's SP plus rankings. And again, not coronavirus adjusted Ohio state and Penn state and Wisconsin and some PAC 12 teams are still in there, but 34th is where they ranked relative to some of the other teams here. Um, Bill has them at, I think around the same. Yes. 7.1. 
out of 10 games. Okay. So commit right. that to memory. The team that we have not mentioned yet, which some may find surprising, is UCF. Um, sure. UCF is the highest ranked team in this SP plus ranking. They play nine games this year because their week one game against Florida International was postponed. So nine as of now. He's got them at a 7.1 average win total. I'm assuming one okay. of those games um, is either Cincinnati or Memphis. Um, the other could be Georgia Tech, although I don't know how great I feel about Tech beating UCF. Um, interesting schedule, though. They're at Georgia Tech. They are at Memphis. They are at Houston. And they're home later in the year against Cincinnati. So, again, within the context of the group of five, knee group of three, um, three road games, including that one against Georgia Tech, is not the easiest slate for them. I would go as far as saying this is ABO, tied. This is American bangers only. Even after the Georgia Tech game. It's ECU, which is not... A full banger. It's a half banger. <laughs> but that offense could be pretty dangerous because, again, my crush on Holt Nailers is very well known by now. Uh, but Tulsa is better than what their record showed last year. A lot of close losses, and I think they're going to be improved this year. And then at Memphis, Tulane, at Houston, Temple, Cincinnati, and then they finish at USF, which is, again, year one. But still, there is no obvious pseudo bye week to me. Which is interesting. I like this, Ty. I like entertaining week to week. We're getting at least one or two super interesting American matchups. Tulane is an interesting name as well. Um, For sure. Willie Fritz has done a really good job over the last two years. Back-to-back mm-hmm. bowl wins. I think for the first time in program history. Um, it should be a pretty good defense. And if you oh, look... Yeah. If you look at this again in terms of the UCF schedule, they've got Tulane in a in a sandwich spot there. They're on the road at a Memphis team. That, that'll be a big game for them. The following week, they're on the road against Houston. Now, Houston wasn't great last year, but Houston's dangerous if only because Dana Holgerson's there and he knows how to generally build an offense. Returning quarterback as well, yeah. In between. Granted, it's homecoming, but in between, you've got a Tulane team that uh, I don't know if plucky is the right word, but they, they play good defense. They they will again this year. And, you know, the, it seems like Willie Fritz is building something with that program. So the green wave perhaps washing over Spectrum Stadium yeah. in Orlando. New quarterback, interesting talent on offense, really intriguing front. And that's the way it's been these past couple of years, as you've mentioned. And their offensive coordinator, Will Hall, is creative and super well regarded. I remember he interviewed and almost got, allegedly, the Oregon offensive coordinator job. So he is being looked at as a potential bigger job type candidate. And so for what they have to replace now in Justin McMillan at quarterback, they're in a good spot that they have the momentum. They have the recruiting momentum. This is, I, I like the green wave. They are, plucky might be right, but I think they're ascending. In terms of what we'd categorize as a team that's ascending, it'd be hard to argue against Tulane right now. The one wild card for me, and I'm going to need some help from you on where exactly to place them, is SMU. Okay. Um, 
I did not realize that Shane Bichelle was getting legit NFL hype going into the 2020 <sighs> season, his senior campaign. I just, I don't know why I didn't realize that. Um, right. Perhaps it's still a little too fresh in my mind that he left Texas and I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's out of sight, out of mind, but Shane Bichelle threw for 34 touchdowns last year in an air raid system, but a 34 yeah. to 10 touchdown to interception ratio threw for almost 4,000 yards. Anytime you've got a guy like that going up against generally defenses that are a bit porous, that's a competitive advantage. Um, they've also got a really good receiver in Reggie Roberson coming back. Love Reggie Roberson. Last year, their top target on the receiving core had 166 targets and 111 catches. Reggie Roberson didn't quite. Prochet, that's right. James Prochet. Yeah. Reggie Roberson didn't quite get there. He was only at 64 targets. But as the leading returning receiver, you can bet that he's going to see a lion's share of those looks from Shaggy Shane Bichelle. I have no idea. No idea what kind of defense... Sonny Dykes is trying to build, but whenever you've got that tandem on offense that you know you can at least start with, that's very mm-hmm. promising. Yeah. Oh, they're going to be maybe the most entertaining team because of what their defense has allowed and what their offense does to other defenses week to week. SMU, I think just like last year, and they beat up on a not so great first half of their schedule. All apologies to TCU and the Iron Skillet. That was a very close <laughs> game, though. Um, we're going to see a lot of that. With We see a lot of 41-38s with SMU once again. I don't have a ton of faith in their defense taking a step forward, but the reason we're seeing Shane Bichelle get interest from the next level is one... I don't know. There are 32 backup jobs in the NFL every year, right? <laughs> there are 30. Somebody's got to fill them and fill it. If he's a fifth round pick, they're not going to be paying him a lot of money. So sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there, there's interesting talent where you remember Sonny Dykes also was instrumental in developing Jared Goff. So his reputation as a, a quarterback developer during his career is it precedes him. So I get it. He also kind of got a raw deal with the offense and the offensive coordinator he had at Texas when he was there. Certainly much better now, you know, two, three years removed from the Shane Bichelle era, but I get it. He's he's a decent enough quarterback that can run a successful system successfully. Are there any other teams that you would like to discuss here? Houston's interesting to me because of Dana Holgerson's plan to redshirt and tank last year. That didn't fully work out because the best <laughs> player he tried to do that with and De'Ara King Left. decided to transfer to Miami. Right. Yeah. With SMU's offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley. So, no, it's still interesting to me because of the level of transfers Houston has gotten there and what Dana Holgerson's track record is. He's working with uh, guys he's coached with before. So, I just, I'm worried about the long-term at Houston just because the reports about the culture and the interaction between Dana Holgerson and the players there last season, hopefully it was something that blew over and they, they worked past everything, but it wasn't a promising start for Dana Holgerson at Houston. It seems. And now their biggest benefactor was it Tillman Fertitta, mm. uh, doesn't have any money. No, <laughs> doesn't have any money Ty. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with Houston. I'm rooting for it because there, there are what? Six, seven legitimately decent to very good teams at the top of the American. So I, I'm actually more inclined to watch the top of the American than probably a good chunk of the top of the ACC this year. How about that? I think that's fair. And 
maybe we can get into a little bit my weird working theory that if one of those group of three teams is going to qualify for the playoff, this is the year. Maybe we yeah, I would say that. non-zero and usually it's zero. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a great chance, but I'm saying in a already right. odd year, what would be odder than a team like Cincinnati? I don't know. Well, the good news for probably the team with the best shot in UCF, just because they have built, thanks to the win over Auburn, and what was it, the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago? Yeah, they have the cachet, they've right? Built a, right, they have the cachet. They've said, okay, we've gone toe-to-toe with a top-level SEC team and beating them on a neutral field. Now I know, obviously, everybody's going to say to defend Auburn while they were motivated, whatever. But still, we're talking about even they they held strong against LSU until LSU pulled away near the end of the game in their bowl game against uh, the Tigers. But the thing is with UCF is they also get Georgia Tech early. Mm. They get a Power 5 team. A great one? No, sir or madam. <laughs> Absolutely not. But they do have an opportunity if UCF goes out and beats Georgia Tech 38-3 to and say, I don't know, a pretty good ACC team, a, a Louisville, beats Georgia Tech 28-17. At least that's a data point that becomes a little bit interesting if we're evaluating UCF on the national level. A little bit interesting. It's another data point, and I think that's a fair, yeah. a fair statement. We don't have much this year. No, we don't. We do we, not have much. <laughs> we got to take what we can get. But it's it's something. Yeah. Who who is your answer then? Who separates themselves from that field? Uh, it's the teams with the quarterbacks I trust, and so it's basically Memphis and UCF. Okay. No I SMU. I trust Dylan Gabriel, no healthy SMU? and at his best, and I trust Brady White. I do, but I, I at least need an okay defense, and I think I trust Memphis's defense more than SMU's defense. So, with I, look, I, I like SMU because they return Sonny Dykes, and I doubt a, I you know I don't love the Memphis schedule, and I don't love having a new head coach, but I just I've seen Memphis win some squeaker shootouts and play pretty well against Penn State last year, whereas I'm just not there with SMU. All right, um, I am going to go Cincinnati. Cincinnati was okay. my uh, initial read. I like here. Cincinnati a lot. I like them a lot. I like their coach, Luke Fickle. I like their defense. Anytime you bring 10 guys back. I, I'm One of the things I'm very interested in, and I don't know if we talked about this much on the preview, but my, my guess is that one of the observations after the 2020 year is going to be the weird little odd roster tweaks or schemes or just something logistical that served as a competitive advantage for some programs. I think it goes without right. saying that a team like a Notre, like a Notre Dame, let's throw them out there. Notre Dame brings a lot back, not only a quarterback with Ian Book, but along the lines, both lines. They're going to win the trenches mm-hmm. against most of the teams that they play, with the exception of Clemson, probably. But right. having that veteran leadership at, at such a fundamental level in your starting roster, I think is is imperative. It's always imperative, but I think now, given state of affairs, it's even going to have greater effect. What now other more things? Than ever. Now more than ever. What other things yeah. are going to rise to that level? What other things will we be talking about come January or come February? I don't know the answer to that. I do think though that experience for right now given what we know, is going to be huge. It's going to have an outsized impact, especially when you've sure. got 
a unit of 10 guys that have already played together on defense the way these guys for Cincinnati have. So for my money, I think that goes yeah. a much, much longer way than it would even under normal circumstances. I think starting the season well is going to be even more important because if a team starts one and three, one and four, given the sort of unusual circumstances and shortened schedule, it could be kind of easy to see teams and players letting up and saying, what are we doing? Why are we even playing? Right. Like that kind of thing is really interesting to me come late October. You know, if a team starts poorly, I think the ability to bounce back becomes very different this year. Uh, I think experience is is quite important and culture. I mean, it's th- one of those terms that we use that's vague, but just how well a job the coaching staff has done in terms of getting players to buy into systems and to buy into each other, given the extraordinary or extraordinarily strange circumstances of the season. So that's where a team like Cincinnati with, you know, Luke Fickle has been there. He has built up depth. Yeah. He's recruited extremely well. By the way, with a team like Cincinnati, maybe more than most of the other teams we're talking about, because as you remember, Cincinnati was in the Big East. They were a power, quote, power six team. And now they're not, even though the American is essentially a power six, if there is going to be a power six. And so Cincinnati is one of the big losers But on the other hand, if you're a high level three star, mid level three star who's promising and gets like low level Big Ten attention in a world in which you can in a world in a world in in which you you can get attention pretty much if you're playing FBS football and you are excellent, you develop into something excellent. If you are a an amazing right tackle at Cincinnati, an amazing edge rusher at Cincinnati, NFL is going to find you. You're going to be on national TV a lot. Whereas if you're playing at, I don't know, Purdue or Indiana in a non-2019 Indiana type year where you're going five and seven and you just you don't want to lose. I kind of think you just go to Cincinnati, right? If you're from Ohio, you're from the Ohio area. Yeah. You want to win and you want to be discovered and you want to play in a really good defense, especially given it's a good the Bearcats. Point. It's a really good point. It's a good place to be. Yeah. My answer is Cincinnati. That's all. Okay. And your answer is what? UCF or Memphis? Yeah, I'll probably take UCF. UCF. Or Memphis. UCF and Memphis, but yeah, UCF. Do you want me to play that again? Or are we good with two? <laughs> no, you're good. I, good. It sounded wonderful, though. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I pulled that off YouTube. Mm. Where do we want to go next here? On our uh, underway I mean the- football <laughs> orbit. Friday orbit. Excuse me. Uh, we could just talk about Willie Taggart if you want an <laughs> FAU. We can. Um, nah, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm going to talk about because somehow I'm going to bring this to Bruce Bochy, Ty. Bruce Bochy in his size eight head. That's exactly why, Ty. I don't know if you've looked at a picture of new App State coach Sean Clark, former App State offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. Okay. He might need to fall under that category of special ordering hats. Is his head Great the dome. size of Jupiter? It's a, like a an abnormal cantaloupe. Okay, <laughs> is is where Sean Clark is, which I respect that as somebody with a pretty large dome. So, App State is very very interesting to me, especially with how th- they've been able to just continue excellence no matter who's the coach. If it's Scott Satterfield, if it's Eli Drinkwitz, now if it's Sean Clark. I expect very little to change. They still have talent on defense. They're still going to run the ball. We saw what they did. I think they've 
the the Sun Belt Championship game has exclusively exclusively been Louisiana and App State. I'm just fascinated by that level of consistency. So even like on a one week bowl schedule, if App State were playing Memphis or SMU or Cincinnati, it's fascinating to me. App State has distanced themselves pretty much from the entire conference. So I I just want to tip my cap to the Mountaineers. They're just amazing. And you want to talk about Sean Clark's hat size. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you've had time to Google since I brought it up, but if you haven't and you're listening, if you haven't and you're Ty Hildenbrandt, I would do so. Let's take a look here. Oh, yeah, that's a big dome. That is a big right? dome. Yeah. There's a little bit of Brett Bielema in that dome, but... Yeah, a little Bert. That's a big head. Okay. We're going to have to yeah. find out a, an official hat size there and see if we can see if they make a solid verbal dad hat big enough that we could send to the App State program. And Louisiana. Obviously, the Rage and Cajuns with what they were able to do last year. Um, interesting to me, for sure. Are there any players, uh, coaches... Staff members besides Sean Clark and his dome. Besides Sean Clark and his and his dome, but um, you know, one of the requests that we got here in the build up to the season was that we should focus more on the group of three because we only got a power three. Group of three right. is hopefully going to take advantage of this safely and in a healthy way to highlight what they do well as a conference. And some of their some yeah. of their players. Uh, I mentioned Shane Bichelle. Desmond Ritter, who maybe I should or shouldn't be as high on as I am. Are there any other, any other names maybe outside of Dylan Gabriel, who I think you mentioned that really rise when you start thinking about the uh, group of the three? group of three specifically? Yeah. I mean, Zach Thomas has been under center or taking shotgun snaps for App State for a while now, and that that is interesting to me. Um, I mean. I like a lot of guys on Louisiana's offense. Obviously, Levi. My guy Levi, one name Levi, is uh, is somebody I like a lot watching, especially because he's a lefty. I mentioned Holt Nailers. Um, I don't know. I think up front for the, the, the Tulane Green Wave, I believe it's Patrick Johnson. He's been there forever. That's somebody who's just, if, you're, if you happen to be watching American football, that you should zero in on. Yeah. It's a shame that we can't use Kenny Gainwell for Memphis, but he's opted yeah. out. Yeah. Given circumstances, he's poised, I think, to be a, a draft pick. Um, had a really productive campaign. Uh, another guy from Cincinnati. I, I'm not just going to list off all of Cincinnati's players, I promise, even though I could along the line. Yep. But Ahmad Gardner yeah, in their corner. secondary, I think, is is really on his way up. Had three interceptions last year and his very first season uh, scored on two of the interceptions. So he's an electric player that they've got out there at cornerback who just adds another dimension to this defense. Yeah, I was going to shout out Lane Hatcher, who may have had the most productive season as a freshman for Arkansas State. Now, obviously, the Red Wolves have already played and lost a game against Memphis, but Lane Hatcher, really interesting to me. When you're able to come in as a freshman and show yourself to be ready to roll on the FBS level, no matter the position, but especially quarterback, that excites me. That gets me going. And Lane Hatcher, with how efficient he was as a freshman, it's sort of unheard of 
Uh, I I just I like that a whole lot. There are a couple coaches who were playing in that coaching carousel together, and Will Healy and Mike Houston. Mm, Mike Houston, yeah. East Carolina, came over from James Madison. We're talking about a national championship winning coach, Ty. <laughs> uh, and then with what Will Healy was able to do at previous stops on the FCS level, now coming into Charlotte, takes them to a bowl almost unexpectedly. Yeah, those are just ascending programs, especially Charlotte. That I just have my eye on, Ty. I just have my eye on. I'm a little disappointed, Dan, that you didn't mention. Demonte Coxie. Yeah. I mean, so am I, but there's only so many players I can name on Memphis because 123 targets last year as a junior. Mm-hmm. Nine touchdowns, almost 1,300 yards. He's going to be Brady White's primary target again. Looking for big things there. Okay. That's you want to talk about specific matchups? I have a list here. Give me I, a, I wrote down a him. list here of some specific matchups. Just as you're looking over your season and you're saying, well, there's no real good, I don't know, SEC game this week. There's no real good Big 12 game this week. Saturday, October 3rd is that rematch of Memphis SMU that I mentioned, and that's at I'm SMU this spicy. season. Sorry, I had spicy. to play that. It's okay. We've got the, the Mountaineers of App State and Louisiana, October 7th. That's in Boone, Ty. UCF Memphis in Memphis, October 17th. You know, UAB, the last time they lost at home, Ty? Mm. 2017. Really? Different world. <laughs> Different world, yeah. Holy cow. Um, so they're they're on the road against Louisiana Tech, so at least Tech gets them at home. Uh, Memphis, Cincinnati is Halloween. That is a Halloweener, Ty. Mm. And should Good be real game. fun. Arkansas, yeah. Arkansas State at the Raging Cajuns of Louisiana on November 7th. And then Western Kentucky, who we actually talked about on our preview show a little bit uh, as being dangerous, and we, we mentioned why. Do you hear like a giant lawnmower or something outside of my window? I, we had this issue with your recording last time with a giant machine. Yeah, yeah, there is some sort of machine. Maybe the timing has worked out. But they're at FAU on the seventh of November. So, and then Cincinnati USF, which we've mentioned before, November twenty-first. Okay, pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Dan, are you ready for some space trivia? Yeah, what are we calling it? Is this um hmm Jeopard Trivial Deep per Space suit? Space? <laughs> I like that too. Let's do Jeopard Deep Space. Five questions. You can answer along at home if you want to. After this, we'll okay. let the fine people go. We're gonna continue right. bolting on goofy segments here. That's what we do. Dan, what is the hottest planet in the solar system? The hottest planet is actually Venus, I think, because of the cloud cover, even though Mercury is closer to the sun. You are correct. One for one. Oh, hell yeah. Because of the atmosphere. I remember I had a uh, a planetary placemat growing up, Ty. Mm. So my my space facts, they're okay. They're okay. All right. One for one. All right. Um, what is the name of the North Star? <sighs> I know the, I think the effect is called the Aurora Borealis that's effect. So, but, oh, is, okay. That's the effect. That's not the name of the star. Th- that's the effect at the North Pole. I don't think it's got much to do with right, the star. Right, right, right. Right. The colors. Okay. The North Star. Dog Star? Dog Star? No, it's Polaris. Polaris. Okay. Dog Star knows Keanu Reeves' old band. So <laughs> that was just a guess. That was just right. a guess. Shout out to Keanu. One out of two. All right, next. Here we go. Here we go. This is a tough one, Dan. The distance across the United States is around 2,900 miles. True. From sea to shining sea, 2,900 miles. Is that greater than or less than 
the diameter of Pluto? It is less than. It is greater than, actually. It's greater. So Pluto, Pluto's diameter is less than that of the United States. Again, from sea to shining sea, around 2,900 miles, Pluto's diameter is around 1,400, 1,500 miles, according to the New Pluto's, Horizons spacecraft. It's a dwarf star? Is that what it's called? Or a dwarf planet? Uh, it's not official... even really a planet, depending no, I on know. who you talk to. What, if you're talking to Neil deGrasse well, Tyson. It's, a, it's, it's called a dwarf planet. I Allegedly. Believe, I believe it's that's categorized correct. as such. I believe okay. that's correct. Next question. Which planet has the biggest ocean in the solar system? We're talking about a water ocean? Which planet has the biggest ocean? Okay. I, I'm just going to guess Jupiter. Jupiter is correct. Yeah, it's a big one, Ty. That must mean it has a big ocean. What is the ocean filled with, though? Metallic hydrogen. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. It is 25,000 miles deep, which is, coincidentally enough, the same as the diameter of Earth. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's... You look at the surface of Jupiter, Ty. Elite. <laughs> Elite <laughs> happenings. Hasn't there been a... Was it a hurricane that's been, like, going for... The big red a, spot. Like, a ton and ton of time. Spot. Yeah, the, the big red spot is a hurricane that's been happening for... God knows how long. That's correct. Okay. So I All right, so what am I now? Two of four? You are uh, two of four. That is correct. Okay. I'm already happy with this result. All right. Final question. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Daniel, which planet is bigger, Venus or Mars? In terms of what measurement? In terms of diameter. Okay. Mars. Ooh, I'm sorry. The answer is Venus. Is that true? Venus is how much bigger is Venus than Mars? Venus is sizably bigger than Mars. Much bigger than Mars. Wow. Almost twice as big as Mars. And Earth well. is just a shade bigger than Venus. They're around the same size. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. What is what is it that you would say fascinates you most about space? Is it the discovery of new universes, galaxies, um, dimensions, whatever, black holes, novas that are what stars exploding? Is it events? Is it is it discoveries? Is it spacecraft? Is it all of the above, which is a non-answer? What is it that if you see a news story involving this with space, you're clicking and you're diving in? Anything about New means of propulsion. Oh, it's a big dark deal. matter. It's a, there's a go, there are several Google alerts set up right now. <laughs> Not gonna lie, uh, this is so good. Whenever New I wake up and propulsion. I see a, a Google alert coming in about an impossible engine or something of that ilk, yeah, I'm in, baby. So, in the way that some people have sporting events that are bucket list you know, like i gotta get to the kentucky derby yeah gotta get to the daytona 500 i gotta get to wimbledon or i have to i, I want to stay in one of those tropical 
hotels that's like on a pier, right? The room is on a pier overlooking the water. Right. Would it be accurate to say you have a bucket list experience of like a behind the scenes tour of JPL? I no, it's not bucket list. In Southern California. Okay, it, okay. It's not bu- just, because I wouldn't understand what the hell's going on. Well, you could just ask. It's just an AMA, a private AMA for you at JPL. I, but I wouldn't. Know, I wouldn't know what to ask. I would honestly not know what to ask. And it's not from being <laughs> okay. starstruck. It's just from being dumbstruck in a sense. Okay. I don't know the right questions to ask. I enjoy the confines of my office chair, seeing mm-hmm. a Google alert come in, and feeling like somebody has unlocked the keys to the future. What about going to Hawaii for the giant telescope at the top of Mauna Kea? We, we have folks who are very familiar with that telescope who listen to this podcast. Is that true? It's 100% true. Who? I'll tell you after the show. Whoa. Do you have a telescope in? I believe the solid verbal as a whole has a telescope in. Would you take advantage of that in a new world? In a new world where you can actually interact with people? Yes. I would where you can to. interact with people like you would fly to Hawaii. Let's say you found yourself in Hawaii for a wedding. I, if I found would you myself- try to make it? I, I would consider it, yes. Whoa, Absolutely. Interesting. Okay. So the telescope, the twin Keck telescopes in Hawaii, more attractive to you than JPL? I would say so, yes. I think that's accurate. Okay. I think we got to make this happen. All right. Well, look, Maybe this that's has fancy been fun. things 2021. 2021, 2028. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 13,600 feet above sea level. If you can get there, we will be moderately entertaining about the 2021. <laughs> How about go. that? All right. So, look, this is a, a work in progress, much the way the Two's Cruise was a year ago, Dan. Uh, mm-hmm. Right now, we've got an intro and a couple funny sounds. But if you're listening <laughs> at home and wondering where is this going to go next, you maybe don't even want to ask that question because. We got real weird with the Two's Cruise. We made shirts. We'll have to come up with something UFO-themed oh, yeah. this year. This was our underway Friday orbit. And we need more U-words. We want people to submit U-words that might make sense over the course of the season. I, I'm going to jam unctuous in there one way yeah. or the other, but otherwise, I'm open. All right. Well, that guy over there is my good friend, Dan Rubenstein. My name, I am Ty Hildenbrand. Our email address is solidverbal at gmail.com. If you like the show, please go on out, subscribe. Please go out and leave us a five-star review. Again, not required, but very much appreciated. Don't forget to call in as you are watching all of the action this coming Saturday. 408-Verbal1, that's 408-837-2251. That's the reverb line. Our boy Ryan's going to cut up your voice messages. We're going to play them on our Sunday recap show. Do tune in to that show. We will go through all of the activity from week two, as it were, as we now embark upon, voyage upon, this college football season in 2020, Dan. Yeah. We got football tomorrow. We have a college football football Saturday tomorrow, if you're listening to this on Friday. And then it's, we got football. We might have Levi Lewis shredding Iowa State. I don't know. We got something. We got something. All right. For that guy over there, my good friend Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildenbrand, thanks again for stopping on by, for downloading the show, for giving us your ear for the better part of an hour. We will be back on Sunday to talk about all the action that was in this new college football season. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, 
and by all means, stay solid. Peace! Peace!